0: Let's go. Right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Daily Power Parsha, Power featuring Shia Solish and myself. Oh, hold on. Second, we have a special guest here. Shalm, say hi to our GPP friends. Now oh, what? what? are you going to say now? <laughs> Awkward. I kept him on a little too long. Okay. Uh, he really yeah. does look older it's uh, <laughs> you yeah. know <laughs> yeah it's that bar mitzvah, whole bar mitzvah situation yeah, yeah. Um, okay uh, let's jump in so this Torah portion is Bayesha oh by the way I told my kids I'm gonna, we're going to keep it a little bit shorter so that they can resume their car experience okay so um, we are going to pick up today yeshev back with the story of Yosef we took a a bit of a a segue. We had a bit of a break with the Yosef story to read about the Yuhu story, the Judah story. That was yesterday. So today, we're back to Yosef. The last time we met him, he had visited his brothers. Remember this story? Chum? Chum. What happened? Yeah, he had visited his brothers, and his brothers wanted to um... His brothers wanted to um, to kill him. Instead of killing him, they threw him to a pit. Instead of leaving him to die in a pit, they sold him. He makes his way down to Egypt. Life like... So let's jump in now. I'm going to share my screen. And hold on. And hopefully, we will get this going here we go okay you guys see that um Vayeshev, genesis yes. chapter 30 yes okay, amazing all right here we go now the torah tells us joseph Joseph, i've been brought down to egypt and remember there were the midianite caravan the midianites the the ishmaelites we're not even sure who what where when but the sold him to the Ishmaelites to bring him down to Egypt. It might have been other hands involved. Either way. At the end of the day, Yosef ends up in Egypt. Okay? And Potiphar, ph- uh, Pharaoh's chamberlain, chief of the slaughters, an Egyptian man, purchased him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there. We said this last time as well. That Yosef of um of Egypt, if you needed a good cut, a good brisket, a good steak, he was your dude. Potiphar. Verse number two: The Lord was with Yo- was with Joseph. Hashem was with Yosef, which, by the way, is a pretty big statement. That's pretty big, and he was. The Torah tells us is that is very, very um, rare praise. That anyone else in the, in that using that term. Yeah, successful. Successful means thing he touches, turn. This guy is successful. and The key to his success is, as we'll see, and trust. He has a positive attitude, can't break him. Guys, he's hunted by his brothers. You, can, you cannot shake him faith in God, positive, that's it, Breed success. So Torah, secrets of success, be positive, and trust in Hashem. Let's continue. Verse number, sorry, continue in the middle of verse 2. And he was in the house of his Egyptian master, which means that he was, as we'll see soon, he was uh, very much involved in the, the business Or at least running his household. Verse number 3. That the Lord was with him. Basically. Potiphar saw. That Hashem was with Yosef. And whatever he. Joseph did. The Lord made prosper in his hand. Again. Verse number 3. Whatever he did. Hashem made him him successful. Let's continue. Verse 4. So, in other words, his success was not lost on his Egyptian master, Potiphar. Verse 4, and Yosef found favor in his eyes, in the eyes of Potiphar, and Yosef served him, and he, Potiphar, appointed him over his house, and all that he had, he gave into his hands. So now, success breeds success. At point, Potiphar. Is putting Yosef in charge of the entire house, the entire, uh, the entire estate, running everything. He's so good; he's running the show. The show. Verse number five. Now it came to pass that since he had a house and overall that he had, the Lord was an Egyptian for Yosef's sake. So, in other words, because Yosef was blessed by Hashem. Right? No, I'm sorry. Uh, Because, because Potiphar had appointed him over his, his, over, over all of his affairs. So God blessed the house of the house of the Egyptian, the house of Potiphar. Let's continue. The blessing of the Lord was in all that he had in the house and in the field. Okay, so this is where the blessing is, not only in the things Directly, but even indirectly, the blessing is um, is 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 prevalent. Verse number six. So Potiphar left all that he had in Yosef's hand, and he knew nothing about what was with him except the bread that he ate. Now, there's different interpretations of what that means. On on, on one level, on a simple level, it means that Potiphar trusted Yosef so much that he totally gave to Yosef. Autonomy to do whatever he needed, whatever he wanted, and all he uh, all he knew was that Yosef uh, did his work, and he ate something, and that was it. I mean, he he, was, he didn't get involved. He didn't micromanage. He delegated. He completely gave over responsibility to uh, to Yosef. Let's continue, and we have here a very interesting conclusion to that, which is, and Yosef had handsome features and a beautiful complexion. So this sets up the story with Potiphar's wife, which we'll get to in a moment. But the point here is that uh, Yosef is, is successful. Hashem is with him. Hashem is blessing him. Potiphar notices, puts him in, control, in, in charge of, of, of all the household affairs, etc. Now, I, I have to tell you another commentary on, um, on, on what it means that, that uh, he knew nothing about what was with him except the bread that he ate that kind of means that he didn't interfere in anything that Yosef did, except for one thing, the bread that he ate is a euphemism, right? It's a euphemism for his wife, because his wife is, you know, the the mainstay of the house, et cetera. is so telling us that, that Potiphar let Yosef, you know, he was, he was involved in everything except for one thing. Obviously, right, Potiphar's wife, that was... Um, that was, uh, that, w- that was not fair game, and Yosef was otherwise given autonomy and power and uh, and control. Okay, so this is this is the fifth reading. We're about to get into reading number six. It's a, f- a fairly short reading, as you just saw. Um, again, just to highlight a few things that we saw. Number one, Yosef's success. success is due to two things, the positivity and and um, when a person trusts and has faith and is positive and creates a positive energy, others take notice and others want to give you, others, uh, others trust in you when you trust in Hashem. That's really the idea. When you trust in Hashem, others necessarily will trust in you. Okay, let's continue reading number six, the drama of Potiphar's life. Genesis chapter 39, verse number seven, now it came to pass after these events. And his master's wife lifted up her eyes to Yosef and said, lie with me. She said she wants to marry Yosef, but he refused. And he said to his master's wife, behold, with me, my master knows nothing about anything in the house and all he has given and all he has is he has given into my hand. In, in other words, the husband, so I can't betray his trust. Certainly, that's uh, that's something that 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 I cannot do verse number nine, Yosef continues to plead his case in this house, there's no, no one greater than I, and he has not withheld anything from me except you, insofar as you are his wife in other words, since you're his wife, so you're the, you, you, obviously you're, you're his wife, and, and that's it Now, how can I commit this great evil and sin against God, so he's reasoning with her and saying, how can I marry you if uh, if if, if um, you know, it's not right, it's a sin against Hashem it's betraying the trust of my master, of your husband Potiphar, etc. Now it came to now it came about verse number ten, when she spoke to Yosef day in and day out that he did not obey her to lie beside her and be with her, which which uh, the commentators explain, even not to marry her, even just, even just to um, to have a relationship with her, even just to um, to have a close relationship with her, he refused. So, but she was asking him every single day, day in and day out. Verse number 11. And it came about on a certain day that he came to the house to do his work. And none of the people of the house were there in the house. So now, here's an opportunity. She has Joseph alone in the house. Now she can really pester. Now she can really bug him. Verse number 12. So she grabbed him by his garment saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and went outside. So she says... Be with me, and he says no, and he runs outside. And all she's left is holding his coat or jacket or shirt or whatever it is, some garment she's holding. And he ran, and that's what she has. Verse 13. So he foiled her plans. Verse 13. Now, it happened when she saw, by the way, I should mention we always mention, every time we we study the story, it's important to mention the Talmud says, and the mystics tell us, that Potiphar's wife. Actually, had noble intentions, even though it sounds like she's trying to do this—you know, this great sin, marrying Yosef when she's already married, etc. So, nonetheless, our sages tell us that no, she actually had good intentions. Why? Because she saw in the spiritual destiny, her spiritual destiny, that she was destined to somehow be together with Yosef, and so she wanted to make it happen. What she didn't realize is her astrology or whatever, her, however she divined that, however she knew that, the lines were crossed a bit. It wasn't her that was going to marry Yosef. It was her daughter. Awkward mistake. Anyway, but she wanted to marry Yosef. Turns out, and this is actually the story plays out, is her daughter ends up marrying Yosef. But, again, she had intention based on what she thought was supposed to be the destiny, the spiritual and, and practical, physical destiny, intertwining their lives. But it was going to happen in a different way. All right, so now, verse 13, now it happened when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and he fled outside. So now she realizes that he ran away. Now she's the one that, like, got rejected. So she's now going to take a little bit of revenge, the ultimate revenge. She accuses him of a crime. Verse 14, she called to the people of her house, saying, uh, sorry, she called to the people of her house and she spoke to them. I guess there were other people, other assistants and some workers in the house. And She said, look, he, my husband, brought us a Hebrew man to mock us. He came to me to lie with me, but I called loudly. In other words, he was trying to hurt me and I screamed out. And it happened in verse 15 that when he heard that I raised my voice and called out, when he heard that I was screaming because he was attacking me, that he left his garment beside me and he fled and went outside. So she completely gives, she completely obviously gives a distorted narrative. She says that Yosef was the one that was trying to cause trouble when she was the one that was trying to cause trouble, but she was upset. She was rejected, so she uh, she spun a tale against Yosef. Verse sixteen. So she accused him of trying to hurt her. Verse sixteen. So she left his garment beside her until his master came home. and she told him the same thing she told her husband Potiphar the same thing, saying the Hebrew slave that you brought to us came to me to mock, and it happened when I raised my voice and called out. So when I was shouting and screaming. So that he left his garment beside me and fled outside. He ran away. Now it came about when his master heard his wife's report that she spoke to him, saying, your slave did such things with me that his wrath burns. So now Potiphar gets angry. This guy, this slave, this Jew, this Hebrew slave, by the way, she calls him a Hebrew slave. This guy was trying to start trouble with his wife. No way. That's not okay. And he gets very angry at Yosef. So understand how now the Yosef story turns 180 degrees. Because Yosef had been successful. He was loved by his master. His master trusted him. And now his master is really upset. Verse 20. So Yosef's master took him and put him into prison. So now not only is he a slave, but he's a prisoner on top of this. So he was always a slave, right? In Egypt, he was a slave. Even when he was successful, he was still the slave of Potiphar. But now he's a convicted criminal in prison. Pretty uh, pretty bad. Pretty bad for Yosef. So he has, Yosef's life has the high, the low, the high, once again, the low. Let's continue. Verse 20. I will start again. So Joseph's master, Potiphar, took him and put him into prison, the place where the king's prisoners were in prison, and he was there in prison. How many times did he say the word prison? One, two, three, four. Four times prison is mentioned in this verse. Let's continue. Does it allude to the four exiles? Perhaps. Either way, Yosef is now found alone, a slave, framed for a crime he did, not convict, he did not commit, and imprisoned in a dungeon in Egypt. No one knows about him. No one cares about him. No one remembers him. No family, no friends, no, no advocacy. The um, Egyptian or the Egypt Innocence Project has not yet launched. This guy has no one to defend him. He's completely alone. Verse 21, once again, the Torah reminds us why Yosef is Yosef, why he's the bomb. The Lord was with Yosef. Hashem was with Yosef, and he extended charisma to him. Hashem blessed him with a lot of charisma, and he gave him favor in the eyes of the warden of the prison. Even in prison, even in Egypt, even as a slave, Even as a falsely convicted criminal, even as a forgotten son and forgotten brother, he rises to the top. He has charisma. He has charm. He finds favor in the eyes of the warden. He never loses the twinkle in his eye and the smile. He never loses his spirit. You cannot kick, squeeze, you know, pull the spirit that that positivity out of Yosef, wherever he is, he's got it. Hashem blessed him with it. He trusts in Hashem. He stays positive when it's impossible to. He stays he stays positive. He is positive, and he rises to the top. Verse twenty two. So, since the warden likes him, so the warden of the prison delivered all the prisoners who were who were in the prison into Yosef's hand once again. Yosef is put in charge of everything that's going on. It happened with Botifar, and now it's happening again with the prison. Yosef is now in charge of the prison, and whatever they did there, he was the one who did it. So if there was a Hanukkah party, who do you think was arranging the party? It was Yosef, joking. Yosef was the one that did everything that happened, all the activities, all the the goings-on. Yosef was the guy. And once again, it's perfectly mirroring the story of Hotifar. the warden of the prison did not inspect anything that was in Yosef's hand. In other words, delegated. You could, he was Yosef was a guy that you could trust. You gave him a job. You gave him the responsibility. You did not need to send an email saying, just want to check and make sure you got this covered. It was covered. It was done. The warden of the prison did not even inspect anything that was in his hand. Didn't double check. Didn't check anything. He was trusted. He was, he was solid. If he was in charge, it was done. For the Lord was with him, and whatever he did, the Lord made him prosper. Once again, this is the third time the Torah tells us that he was matsliach, that he was successful. I need to highlight this. I said it last year. I, I know that I said it last year because I, I can't read these verses without saying it, so I'm sure I said it. I've already said it once today. There's no other character, no other person in Torah who the Torah refers to as Ish Matzliach, as a successful man. What are the ingredients? If Yosef was going to write a bestseller, Yosef's Secrets to Success, what would he write? He would write the following two things. Stay positive, trust in God. That's it. Okay, it's a short read. Very short read. Stay positive, trust in God. And by the way, the latter leads to the former. When you trust in God, you can stay positive. Sorry, not you can't. You you will stay positive. And when you trust in God and you're positive and that breeds success, everyone trusts you and everyone likes you. It creates a positive aura, positive vibes. Trust begets positivity, which begets positivity, which begets trust. That's the trust positivity sandwich. Trust in God brings you, when you trust in God, you are able to stay positive even when things are falling, are collapsing around you. You trust in God, you can stay positive. When you're positive, others are positive around you. You create a positive environment. And when you've created a positive environment, you become the one they go to. They trust. Trust leads to positivity, which leads to Positivity which leads to trust. It's this beautiful circle. I hope that makes sense. All right, I'm going to stop sharing my screen and uh, happy to engage in convo about this. All right, back with you guys. Make sense? Yes, we like Yosef. I'll tell you, I got to get in line because Batifra's wife apparently was also a fan. I'm a huge fan of Yosef. I'm a huge Yosef fan. And the reason is simple. Here you have a guy that has every reason guys okay here's here's a guy that has every reason to give up to not have faith to be angry at god to be angry at mankind to be just absolutely depressed and broken and just devastated you you get how many excuses was he given to be an angry bitter human being every excuse in the book and he chooses a different way he chooses a different life for himself he chooses a different response. It is so inspiring for us who sometimes get a little bit beat up by life and by others, you know, not necessarily physically, but conceptually, you know, spiritually, et cetera, emotionally, psychologically. It's 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 an empowering story about how to flip victimhood into how to flip victimhood into empowerment, how to not be a victim. Had to be empowered. Okay, keeping it short. Questions, comments. On. Well, what do you think his mindset was that he was able, in addition to faith in God, what was his mindset that he was able to flip that? I'm going to go with trusting in Hashem. I'm going to go. I know you said besides for that, I'm going to. I'm just going to double down on that. Uh, my understanding, based on the commentaries, based on Kabbalah, based on Chassidus, is that he. At no point in time did he believe that God was not in control. In other words, let me say that in the positive, not the negative. At every moment, every step along the way, he believed more than believed. He knew that God was in control, that God was doing this. It wasn't his brothers, it wasn't Potiphar, it wasn't. It was God guiding him on a path. Imagine. A higher plan, a higher plan, right? There was some... not only, uh, yes, but not just a higher plan in the sense of you know whatever. We God's ways are mysterious. You just got to roll with the punches. It's much, it's much more empowering and positive than that. It's the sense of God is leading me to my next adventure, to the space where I need to be next. It's such an unbelievable perspective. It's basically you know, imagine somebody that you love wants to surprise you on a special occasion, let's say it's a birthday and says, you know, close your eyes and come with me for a surprise. Yeah. How are you feeling? How are you feeling? You're feeling Good. sad. No. You're feeling anxious. You're feeling scared. You're feeling depressed. No. no. You're excited. You're excited and you're positive. You can't wait. Imagine going through life Because sometimes we are blindfolded. Sometimes we don't see the plan. But imagine going through life. And at every step along the way, we're excited and positive. And we know for sure that God who loves us more than anyone could ever love us, right? God who loves us is leading us to the next adventure to a surprise for us. That's a perspective. You can't put a price on that. That is a priceless perspective. It's a game-changing, life-changing, life-altering perspective. How do we get that perspective? That's the question. How do we get that perspective? And the answer is, the answer is through study and contemplation and practice. And emuna is something that we build up slowly, slowly, slowly. Emuna and betahen. faith and trust in God is something that is built, something that is created. It's not something that necessarily comes naturally. I mean, maybe to some, maybe to Yosef, I don't want to take away, um, his, uh, his work. I'm not I'm not uh, saying it came easy to him necessarily, but for some, maybe it comes a little bit more easy, but for others, it takes work. It takes work. You got to focus on the right things. You got to study the right things. You got to contemplate the right things. It's about the practice, the daily practices that keep us connected with God. It's about seeing the hand of God. It's about looking out for the blessings and everything that we do. It's, it's, a, it, it's a mindset change. We live in a world which tells us the exact opposite no one's in control right where did all this come from random big bang evolution completely random oh there's somebody guiding you by the hand who's guiding what who's guiding the whole premise of our society is there's no guide less din but less dying. there's no guide there's no guider there's no path there's no there's no nothing there's no purpose there's no destiny you with me on this in a world that emerges literally from happenstance and accident, what guide, what purpose, what surprise? The whole, the whole concept doesn't fit in. So what the, the problem that we face is that we live and we've been inculcated in a perspective, in a worldview that is diametrically opposed to a Jewish worldview. Even though we talk about Judeo-Christian values as being the underpinnings of our society— uh, maybe the Christian part, the Judeo, arguable, right? I mean, some things, I guess, you know. But, but uh, the the core of what Judaism believes about life itself is certainly not the uh, the underpinnings of what most are talking about at at any given moment. I don't know. I'm saying most. I'm painting with a broad brush here, so excuse me. But either way, we live in a world in which the dominant theories contradict everything we spoke about today. So what I'm my point is, it takes work. It's not, gonna, it's not necessarily going to come easy. How do we get to that place of trust? Okay. We have to reorient ourselves. We have to start looking at ourselves, looking at the world, looking at life a little bit differently, and slowly, slowly come into a different understanding. Um, in other words, like the author of a writes in the beginning of Tanya, there is, th- this is the, uh, the long, short way it's a long short way what's the long short way there's no shortcut there's no easy like press this button you'll have faith you'll have trust and you'll be happy there's no there's no easy button there's no easy fix it's a long way it's a long it's a, it's a path that requires work and effort and, and some time but once you do the work it's a short path and you get there famous parable that's told, is that uh, one time a, a fellow was traveling to the to the palace? Never been there before. And he came comes to a crossroad. He's on he's on the right road, but it's there's a fork in the road. Now Yogi Berra once said, "When you come to a fork in the road, take it." But the question is, which direction? Right? That's a Yogi Berraism. Well, what do you what do you actually do? So he asked if somebody's sitting at the crossroads, and he says, uh, "Which way to the palace?" He says, "Well, this way." Is the short long way, and that other way is the long short way. So he's like, "Uh "Aha, short long way or long short way." He decides he'll go the short long way. So he turns right or left, whatever it was. Let's just say right. He goes right to the short long way, and within a short amount of time, he's palace. But there's a big, there are big bushes and hedges and all that, so he can't get through the thicket to get to the palace. So it's a short way, but it's but it's blocked off. It's like when you do that maze, you know, like back of a cereal box. Oh, oops. You hit a thing. And and now you got to you gotta watch. So he walks all the way back, walks back to the crossroads. And he says, I went the short, long way. I, w- I went the way. And, and it didn't get there. You said it was short. And the man at the crossroads says, yeah, but I also said it was long. <laughs> and now you know why. He has to now double, the right, circle back. And now he goes the other way. And it takes a while. Takes a while, much longer than the other way. But eventually, it's got, he's got an open path straight to the palace. So the message is like this in life. In life, sometimes we want to take shortcuts. That's another product of the society we live in, that everything is instant, right? Everything is instant gratification, instant results, instant soup, right? Instant everything. Um, it's like you're, you know, you're downloading something, and it takes like three seconds instead of one, and you're like, what's wrong with my internet connection? It's ridiculous. Like, what is this? Who's in charge? Who do I need to write a letter and fire? It's like who who should we cancel? It's like we live in such an society that this this notion of kind of a longer term approach, the long short way, is a little bit um, we're a little resistant to it. It's like no 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 don't 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 tell me that. Give me the give me the quick version. Like, don't tell me I need to now do this every single day and study and meditate and pray and pray and, and and work on my connection and seeing D P seeing divine providence and everything that, that that happens. Come on, give me give me. Uh, all right, fine. That's what you tell everyone else. But give me the give me the quick the quick way. Uh, yeah, it's, it's either a short long way or a long short way. And spoiler alert: the short long way doesn't doesn't get you there. It may get you inspired for a day, but it's not going to get you there long term. So, anyway, that's a long answer to a uh, short question. Speaking of which, so the point is, we got to be like Yosef. Trust in God. It's a process. Trust in God. Be positive. Share the positivity or, or, or um, what's the word I'm looking for? Emanate, exude positivity. Others will be drawn to you and they'll trust you with everything they got. All right, that's it for today. Make sense? Yeah, so I also feel, so he did have very heavy divine, sense of divine providence. Like even when he's in the prison, he believed right. he was there to make an impact, a positive impact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. if he believed that he was just a prisoner why would he lend a hand? Why would he do anything? Why would he step up? Why would he even be? He would just languish in his bed all day. I mean, it's just a very, on a very practical level, he has a completely different perspective. Completely different perspective. I'm here. I have a purpose. Clearly, I'm here for a reason. Let's go. Game on. Anyway, all thank, right. Thank you. Pleasure. Pleasure. <laughs> pleasure, pleasure. Pleasure. Sandrine Donna. Sarah. Oh, Sandrine says thank you to, for Leah for driving. Thank you to Leah for driving so we can. <laughs> there you go. That was Leah saying hi. Excellent. This is true, by the way. This is true. Thank you, Leia. and um, thank you all for joining tonight. Seven thirty. We're on a Zoom only Torah studies. If you can make it, Arab Turkey Day, we'll be on um, the secret of sand and pebbles knowing when to hold them and when to fold them. Tonight, 7.30, with my spring water, I say, L'chaim. L'chaim. Bye, Sarah. Bye, Sandrine. Bye, Donna. See you guys. Bye.